Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simo Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. You are listening to episode number 63 of the Awesomers.com podcast series. And all you have to do is go to awesomers.com slash 63 to find any relevant show notes, details, and links that we've discussed here in today's episode. Now, today, my guest is Chelsea Cohen. And Chelsea's a bright young entrepreneur, and she's been running her own successful e-commerce business for over three years, grossing well into the seven figures just in a single year. And she's also been working to help other Amazon entrepreneurs and e-commerce people, including doing live group and one-on-one coaching for Ryan Moran's Freedom Fast Lane within the tribe. Now, they went on, Chelsea and her husband, Ari, have went on to build a website to help entrepreneurs and and do it in a constructive way so that A, it didn't uh, monopolize their time, and B, that it could be systemic and sustainable for the recipients of that knowledge. And so uh, Chelsea and Ari are able to kind of work together to uh, help entrepreneurs using this, uh, the Badass Business Builders website. And we're going to talk about that in today's episode. Uh, Chelsea's going to talk about her origin story. I think you're going to love it. It's going to be super, super exciting to see how this you know, young entrepreneur was able to put some things together after a number of things that didn't particularly work that well. And that, that level of persistence, I think a lot of us can identify with the, at least the need for it, the necessity to have it. And Chelsea's a great example of it. Never stopping, never giving up. And now she's climbed great heights and is continuing to go higher and is really like a star of the show, right? She's an amazing entrepreneur and somebody that we can all learn from, not just from the basic things that are, are so important, like copywriting, but the, the bigger picture things, like how to, how to run a business and still lead a life. And I think that's a great thing that Chelsea's been able to do. So we're thrilled to have a Chelsea on board, and I know that you're gonna love today's episode. Hello, Awesomers. It's me, Steve Simonson. I'm back again with another Awesomers.com podcast. And today, I have a very special guest, Chelsea Cohen. Chelsea, how are you? Good. Thanks so much for having me. Well, thank you. Uh, My listeners are on the edge of their seat, I'm sure, to figure out if I've pronounced your name right, because my record's not so good. Uh, How'd I do today? Good. Yes, that's right. That's another one for the win column, everybody. Uh, I'm going to send out like those baseball scoring notebooks for everybody to keep score because my my time's getting the names right uh, really few and <laughs> far between, I have to admit. Um, so I'm thrilled to have you on uh, today. We've known each other for some time. I think, uh, do you recall when we met? I, th- I think I do. Uh, I'd love to compare notes. Yeah, um, we met in Maui, actually, at the Maui Mastermind. That is quite right. Yeah. So amazing.com was having a, a mastermind meeting uh, or an event in Maui. And uh, you were a guest, I was a guest. And uh, boy, I just saw this really smart, you know, young couple and uh, Chelsea and uh, Ari were just, you know, they were just having fun and they were getting things done. They were super smart. And it's like, yeah, these kids, they got it, man. They got the it. And uh, Chelsea certainly uh, has done a great number of things since then. So we're thrilled to have you on. Um, I've already read in the bio and kind of the, a little bit of top-level information about you, but tell us in your own words what you do day-to-day in your uh, you know, regular routine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we sell on Amazon. We have a physical products business on Amazon um, selling kitchen products, healthy kitchen products, and we've been doing that for about four years. Um, about uh, a little less than a year ago, we decided to get a little more um, into helping people, a little more structured with how we help people. We've been helping people for years, but um, we started 
to um, actually offer services, um, built up a team to be able to provide services in terms of listing optimization and copywriting services to help people increase their sales. Um, so we've been doing that since uh, pretty much the beginning of the year, and that's been going really well. Um, so a bit more fulfilling than just selling physical products on Amazon because then we get to see, you know, people uh, able to, you know, start changing their lives by increasing their income. Yeah, I can understand that very well. And, and that really is, for the Oscars out there listening, a good lesson to take away that, you know, the, the potential to change your life is around us every day. We, you know, the opportunity exists and uh, people like Chelsea are able to, you know, kind of embrace an opportunity. They put product out there. Now they have their own brand that they're selling products on and so forth. And they've been able to, you know, continue that journey by helping educate others and participate in, in other people's life-changing events, which is pretty inspiring, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So uh, before we, we're going to do a little bit of an origin story. Before that, uh, we do that, we're going to do a, a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to ask Chelsea all the revealing questions. You won't want to miss it. We'll be right back after this. Empowered. The name says it all. Connecting e-commerce entrepreneurs with great people, ideas, systems, and the services needed to stay business dynamic and to grow. Empowery is a network, a cooperative venture of tools and resources to make you better at what you do. Because we love what you do. We are you. Visit Empowery.com to learn more. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, Chelsea, we're back again. Uh, Steve Simonson on the Awesomers.com podcast. And we're, we're going to dive into those the nitty-gritty that really helps us understand people. And I like to go right to the beginning, which is, where were you born? Um, I was born in Los Angeles, California. Aha, uh-huh, La La Land. Uh, I've, I've heard of it. I've seen it on TV several times. Uh, how about your parents? What kind of uh, business uh, or work did they uh, do? Um, yeah, so my mom actually had a private school. She started out with a daycare, um, but my older brother was having trouble learning how to read. And so she thought she could do a better job uh, helping him to read than the teachers were. So she basically pulled us out of school and um, started teaching us. And then a other parents asked her, you know, could they teach their kids? And so she kind of, it kind of grew organically. She converted the daycare into a school. And so uh, starting at second grade, I basically did my entire um, second grade through uh, high school with my mom. I graduated um, at 16, just before I turned 16. So I was able to kind of study at my own pace. Um, but she ran that school for until, um, until my, bro- my youngest brother graduated. Um, and then my dad, uh, he worked for a little bit. He had a, a copy graphics business um, of his own. And uh, now he does uh, air quality investigations. But I have, you know, on both sides of my parents, um, sort of an entrepreneurial um, uh, example, I guess an entrepreneurial spirit bred from there, just kind of uh, this attitude of, you know, well, why can't I? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that really is the 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 differentiator many times. Uh, somebody was asking me the other day, they're like, well, when you bought your first business at 18, you know, who told you how to do it? Or who, you know, it's like, well, nobody said I couldn't do it. So I just did it. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was too dumb to know any better. So uh, I think that is a really good uh, premise to start from, which is, why can't I, right? You know, let's just assume that we can and somebody proved me wrong. So I like that. How about any siblings? Um, yeah, so I have I have a, a rather large family. I have three brothers that I grew up with, and then um, an older um, male cousin who lived with us uh, for a good part of um, our life, and uh, then a stepsister who came in uh, during our. I like team. that. Giddy up. Uh, any of them showing entrepreneurial uh, bends? Um, yeah, none of them have very regular jobs, but my oldest brother, um, he started his own dance competition. He's a dancer. His wife is a dancer. Um, and he had that same kind of, why can't I, um, where he was working for a dance dance competition as a judge, um, and an MC. And he worked for, for, uh, many years and started asking himself, well, you know, this guy is pulling in sometimes a million dollars in a weekend. Um, there's a lot of money here. I know kind of how to run this thing. So he started it and they're in their first, uh, their third season. They're going to their third season um, now of that. All right. Well, sounds like I need to dust off the old dance shoes. That's impressive. Uh, so I, I, I definitely enjoy, you know, kind of the, the fact that your mom was, she basically 
built a school for herself, which is how a lot of entrepreneurs do things. I need this solution solved for me. And then other people start to go, hey, can you help me? Can you help me? And I, I suspect that has, uh, that's probably come up again in your life. Uh, you know, as, as you got good at writing copy, I'm sure other people ask you for help, right? Yeah, yeah. And that, that's uh, a funny story because, you know, we have our own business and um, we, you know, kind of as a matter of course, people reach out to us and we help them. So we get a lot of people asking us. And I did, um, I did a, a talk on copywriting and then I started getting a lot of people asking me and I kept turning them away and turning them away. Um, and at the end of that last year, I stopped asking myself, you know, I stopped telling myself, no, I can't do this and started saying, well, how can I? Um, I knew that I only had a certain amount of time in the day. I knew how much, you know, it took to uh, actually, you know, write copy. And I knew that I couldn't service everybody doing it on my own. So I actually built a system and trained a team to be able to do that. And that's kind of um, the, the motto that I've had recently. And it's opened a lot of doors for me just in this past year of, how can I, instead of saying no, we automatically go to no. And really, um, if it's something that you want to do or that you, might interest you, you know, start asking yourself, how can I instead? I like that. It's almost like turning the same question we talked about earlier on uh, to the inside, right? Well, why can't I? Me? Uh, well, what, yeah. what, what limitations am I self-imposing? Why can't I? Don't tell me what to do. That's, uh, that's the conversation that goes on in my head anyway. Uh, I probably need help. Uh, so let's, let's get back into that history for a minute. Uh, did you decide to go to university? And if so, where? Um, I actually, I feel like I went to college accidentally. Um, I never thought about it. Uh, I mean, I guess I went, I did one semester and then I kind of got out of it. Um, but my mom, you know, I wanted to be a writer. Um, so my mom said, well, why don't you go to this community college and take this screenwriting class? Um, so I ended up taking a screenwriting class and sort of fell backward into a film um, program. I didn't do any of the general education. It was, I stayed in the community college because I didn't feel like I needed to take on a huge you know, debt by going to UCLA or USC. Um, and I'm very glad that I didn't because I'm not using that degree. I, get, I didn't get a degree. I got a media arts certificate because I didn't want to do all that general education. So really that was kind of my experience. It was, I was more interested in getting the hands-on knowledge than, uh, you know, gaining a bunch of credits so that I could get a degree. Yeah, I, first of all, for the Oscars out there listening, whether it's you considering it or somebody you know, some Gen Z person, going into debt for college is a really troubling thing, in my humble opinion. Unless you're going to be an engineer or a doctor or you know somebody who really needs that very particular set of skills, uh, hashtag uh, look up that movie reference. Uh, I think that was taken. Uh, but unless you need that particular set of skills, then do not go into debt, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and I, I far prefer your approach, which is I'm going to find the pieces of this thing that I like, the things that I'm really interested in, instead of being forced into the, you know, whatever. For me, it was like the dance 101 class. It's like, all right, this is, I'm not going to, I'm studying computer programming. Dance 101 is not in the center of my target. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I dropped down after one semester too. Um, although I, I also dropped the dance class, I switched to photography and when I showed up to the photography class, I'm ready to take pictures. I'm excited. They're like, no, no, this is the history of photography. Open your books. We're going to learn about history of photography. It's like, Gee, you know, right? So <laughs> the point is, um, don't go into debt. Pick what's important to you. And I, I like the Chelsea method of education. So uh, how about your first uh, job? When you came out of university, did you have a, a traditional or proper job, as I call it? Um, actually, I the the thought that comes to mind when uh asked about my first job was my first job when I was younger because I feel like it was very um indicative of where I was headed and I was at probably about 12 or 13 my friend's mom had a a gift service so she would build gift baskets and sell them to companies and um our job was to take these little cellophane bags and fill them with jelly beans and so you know, we had several hours, you know, fill them with jelly beans. And my friend, whose mom owned the store, was goofing off a lot. I ended up doing probably at least twice as much as she did. And then at the end of the day, we ended up getting paid the same amount. And I immediately was like, okay, maybe this isn't for me. Because, you know, 
that whole idea of like, you know, working for hours didn't make sense, you know, just right from the get go. Well, that would have worked out really nicely in a communist country, right? Because everybody's just going to get paid the same based on uh, checking in. But, you know, entrepreneurs and, and really entrepreneurs in general, we understand that we, we want to be rewarded based on our responsibilities, our accountabilities, our, our merits, and, and in fact, our accomplishments. And mm-hmm. even it's amusing to me that at 12 or 13, you're kind of looking at the check and then looking at the, you know, your friend over there. It's like, hey, you're nice enough, but you did not do half the work I did. And we got paid the same. So that's good. Um, how about, uh, you know, from, from kind of then to now, was there any particular defining moment that stood out in your mind that, that, you know, kind of helped put you on the path that you're on today? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, that was one of them. Um, another was when I was working, um, in accounting, I actually did some work in accounting. Um, and it was just very interesting to me to see that I was getting a lot of praise. They gave me a lot of bonuses. Um, I was kind of put up as the model employee and it was very confusing to me because I didn't feel like I was doing anything special. And then I finally realized that just doing your job and not needing a lot of handholding or, you know, coming back and, and, you know, basically not being, having to be run by a manager wasn't normal. And so I found that very interesting. A friend of mine had the same experience and we were kind of comparing notes. And that was a big defining moment of, I think that self-starters and people who can just figure things out, I'm very good at figuring things out. I Google things. I, you know, look things up. I don't ask a lot of questions. Like I taught myself how to make, um, you know, how to create a website, you know, how to order domains, like all of that stuff. My brother, uh, when he started into the field of business, he came to me and had, had to help him with an Excel spreadsheet. And he looked at me and he has been a dancer all his life. And he said, I have no skills, Chelsea. I was like, oh, you know? So it's very, it was a very interesting thing. That was a defining moment of like, okay, I'm someone who just figures things out because they need to get done. Yeah, I think that's very interesting and something that people don't often think about. Uh, but I remember a similar kind of defining moment where where I realized that what I considered my average, my just kind of regular output was above everybody else's. And when you looked around, I remember I owned a a carpet store back in the, I suppose it's early 90s, uh, maybe late 80s. And I went to this convention in Vegas. And, and, you know, they are, you know, behaving in ways that are, you know, crazy to me. Um, and, And by the way, we're all in a professional business setting. This is not the night at the club stuff. We're in a professional business setting at a conference and so forth. But I'm like, man, if this is my competition, I got, I got nothing to worry about. And I, by the way, I was, you know, 21, 22 at the time. So early nineties. And it's just that, that idea that, you know, the ordinary to us can seem extraordinary to others. And that's actually a very defining characteristic of an awesomer, which uh, clearly you are, is that, you know, when your best is, is really your best, then everybody else thinks it's a miracle. And so uh-huh. kudos to you. So uh, what age do you think you learned that? Um, I mean, at that point, I was probably mid-20s. Yeah, good. Um, I had been, you know, in the film industry, and then it was finally getting to, you know, into accounting, um, that it really started to become, you know, apparent to me. Yeah, I, I just love the idea. And I think this is a, a story that anybody should be able to reflect on, which is, if you're tasked with something, if you're given a responsibility, figure it out. You know, Google is like the the endless answer machine. There's no, it's infinity. You can get any answer there. Whereas uh, still to this day, you know, we'll hire somebody and they'll be like, I don't know how to do this. And so they just want to sit there and wait. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, that was a bad hire because that's not the right attitude. We want problem solvers, right? Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. And that's what I, you know, always have to have patience when I'm, you know, onboarding a new staff member. Cause I, you know, I actually had that skill. I'm in remembering when I was in film school, you know, they had this thing called fake it till you make it. So you say you can do things, you know, and I said, Oh yeah, I can, you know, do schedules and budgets. I can, you know, I can line item a script, take a script and figure out what we need to buy and all of that stuff. I had no idea. So I would take it home. I would, you know, copy versions, you know, I would get a calling call sheet and I would copy it on my home computer. So I had my own version and it was just, always, you know, anything that I didn't know, I would have to learn kind of on the fly, and then I would bring it into the next job. I like that. Uh, 
By the way, fake it till you make it is a uh, one of the common uh, phrases from the the 80s movie Working Girl, which you probably wouldn't have known of, but uh, it's a classic and uh, everybody out there should watch it. It's amazing, Melanie Griffith. Um, I, I definitely think that your your previous attitude of why can't I should enter into every, you know, every task, every responsibility. It's like, all right, here's what I got to get done. Now let's just figure out how to get there. So I, I'm a big fan of that. Um, how about any any big lessons that you've learned along the way? Was there any lesson that stood out and said, you know, maybe it wasn't even an easy lesson to learn, but you're know, like, I'm glad I know that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there were a couple, you know, off the top of my head, I think um, enjoying the journey was definitely something I had to learn. Um, you know, I was all about, you know, I'll be happy when, and I'm going to, when I'm here, I'm going to be happy. Like bringing a lot of that, putting a lot of the um, ideas of happiness and success into the future, not really looking at what I was actually accomplishing. Uh, everything was, you know, someday this and someday that. And I even got that when I went into, I did some network marketing and they talked about delayed gratification. And I think delayed gratification is the biggest scam out there. Um, you know, and it's, it's just this, this idea that's been propagated and I've always, I had to actually teach myself. I, I bought a necklace that said the journey is everything. And I put a plaque on my wall and I had to remind myself, it was like a whole process of working myself out of that mindset. Um, but I became a much happier person for it. Yeah. I think that's a very good secret to life. Uh, the journey in fact is the point of what we're doing here, right? Uh, it's yeah. we're, we're all, uh, you know, on a quest to that, you know, six feet under uh, destination and, and regardless of, uh, you know, is there a afterlife or not afterlife or am I going to be reincarnated as a butterfly? Whatever it is on this earth, we got one destination. We may as well enjoy that journey. And too often, all of us and myself included, we get tied up in that day to day, almost like a, it's like a compression chamber, right? It just keeps pushing in, pushing in. And, you know, and sometimes we, that's the normal that we're willing to accept. And so I think your advice is very very wise to say, you know what, let's just take a minute and enjoy what we're doing. And uh, as I have defined in my my past, you know, talking about how to find your why, eliminating the things that you don't like is the first step into getting to what you do like. Yeah. And there's, there's things all of us are doing every day. In fact, I was doing a list uh, late yesterday of some of the things I'm going to get rid of. Maybe they're businesses, maybe they're responsibilities, but I'm, I'm going to take these off the list because I just, it's like, this is not delivering uh, you know, any degree of happiness, you know, so it doesn't make you money, doesn't make you happy. What's the point? Yeah. And uh, so, boy, you're so smart, so young. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, that's great. Actually, you know, um, you say, you know, getting rid of the things that you don't like. That was another thing that came to mind was um, figuring out what you want. Sometimes what you think you want in life, you know, whether it's your career or possessions or lifestyle is not necessarily what you end up wanting. And so that was a, that was a lesson that I really had to learn was, you know, I said I wanted to be a director and I wanted to go into film. Uh, when I started directing, I actually hated it. I was much better at producing, um, which kind of goes in line with, you know, running a business. And I had to, one, admit, I, you have to take the, the time to do that thing, to actually experience what that life is like to really know whether you want to do it or not. So the first thing is to try a lot of things you know, to figure out where you, where your capabilities and your interests lie. And the second thing is to actually have the guts to admit it and to be humble enough to, to uh, admit when, when that thing is not the right thing. Well, it does take a certain amount of courage to look ourselves in the eye and go, you know what, this thing I've been wanting for so long, uh, not that into it after all. Right. Mm -hmm. And that, that particular, um, I don't know, decision-making process, that evaluation, internal uh, introspection, I suppose, is difficult for people to get to. And, and myself, again, you know, the, the target does change. Like you, you, at one point, you wanted to be a director and then realize, then eh, maybe not so much. You know, all of us kind of go through those things and having the courage and being quick about it, you know, maybe, maybe even as a process, re-evaluating this more often. Is that how you carry on today? Do you look at this more often? Yeah. Yeah. Looking at, you know, what do I want to be, what do I actually want to be doing? Do I actually want to be doing that? Um, and, you know, kind of 
if I don't, and it needs to be done, you know, how can I find a way to, to give it to someone who's actually better, you know, at it than I would be even. Yeah. No, I think that's a very sage wisdom. Um, how about, you know, along this journey, you know, uh, as in the Facebook culture we live in, you know, beyond the, the, you know, Cuban sandwich that I'm having today that I take a picture of and make sure everybody gets a good look at there's so many times we we just post the coolest, best things that we see out there. And this creates kind of a, a culture of everything's always great. Uh, but was there ever a time where things weren't so great or you wanted to kind of give up on whatever the the uh, project of the day was? Uh, you know, any time that you just kind of hit the wall and you're like, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, there was a particular time. And I feel like I don't didn't ever um, have a real job up until this point. I had worked for my mom a lot. So teaching, teaching kids at her school. Um, and then I had, um, you know, I had film, so I did film, film work and then that really wasn't making me happy. And so I walked away from that. Um, and then I was doing network marketing. Um, and there came a time where I had to go back and, and get a real job. And I went into the accounting and it was going back to uh, something that had, uh, they, I'd always worked at this company off and on, you know, first I did, you know, when I was a teenager, I did filing for them and then I did assistant work and I, but I was always kind of running away from it. And it was finally like, you know, um, I have to go back, you know, the savings have run out, you know, um, I have these, taxes I have to pay. <laughs> and, oh, pesky taxes. Oh, no. Yeah. And so, you know, so it was one of those things where I was like, okay, it's now time to admit that you have to be a grown up and you have to get a job. And so I went back to this job and I, I stayed there for four years, but it was the first time that I, I'd always told myself, you know, I was going to accomplish big things. I was going to have, you know, be able to make a lot of money. I had all these goals, you know, like all of us pretty much do. And it got to the point where I was like, you know what, maybe everybody's right. Maybe life is just hard and maybe, you know, this is the way it is. Maybe I can, you know, I finally admit, maybe I'm not special. Um, and you know, the magic isn't going to happen. And it was that first time, I think it was 25 years old. The first time, you know, from, from running away from this thing and chasing, I was always chasing some big goal. And it was the first time that I stopped everything every situation i was in was okay even if i had a job it was okay because it wasn't the thing i was really doing i had this other thing that what i was planning this other thing that i was building this is the first time i stopped building something fascinating and uh how did you feel during that time because it sounds like you took an actual step back to you know instead of the i'm doing this thing on my own i'm going to go be an accountant for this uh company how did you feel um it was it was pretty disheartening yeah, it was, I had never not had a plan. I had never, you know, every, but everything that I had tried had kind of fallen through and I didn't really have uh, the energy to, to try something else. So it was one of these, you know, it took me a couple of years of going through that to really figure out what the next thing was going to be. And then I actually ended up getting back into writing a couple of years into it. Um, getting back into writing. And that was the only thing that kept me going. And that was, uh, there was a, in, in network marketing, um, there was this one speaker who always used to say, good is the enemy of great. You know, when you know, when you're good, you know, when you're bad, you know that you got to get out of that situation. And for me, that was bad. So I did as much writing as I, I did a thousand words per day, every single day, because I was trying to get out of that bad situation. And so I was the mo my most creative writing wise because of that. And now that I am in a good situation, I don't really do much writing. <laughs> well, it's funny how those things change. Um, and I really appreciate you, the fact that you are able to share that with us because so many awesomers out there, they really do find themselves in a position they don't want to be in necessarily. Mm -hmm. And and in many cases, it can become quite hopeless, right? There, there may have been a time even during that course, that two years that you're like, if you never started writing, you could still be sitting in a cubicle doing accounting. Yeah. Right. But they, you, you decided, no, I got to do something. I got to push myself a little bit. And that writing then was your bridge to the next thing, which has turned out pretty well. You got a nice little, uh, nice little story there. So I, I really uh, like that. And, and, uh, and, you know, I kind of empathize with it because uh, I understand where you're coming from. How about, how about a best day, you know, from, 
from kind of the beginning to now, was there a day that you just looked back and said, wow, I, this is a victory lap time. I got to I gotta high five myself or everybody around me. Uh, well, tell us about a best day. Um, yeah, two days come, come to mind. Um, I would say first off was, you know, speaking at the amazing summit last year. Um, that was, you know, one of, one of my prouder moments. Um, I, you know, did the amazing selling machine course and, uh, Ari always wants to meet the people. If we see a celebrity, he wants to go up and meet them. If we see, you know, whoever he always wants to go up and meet. And I'm always like, no, you know, I am a little bit more shy about that. Um, and I told him, I don't want to meet, you know, Matt and Jason who built the course. I don't want to meet Matt and Jason until I'm at a little bit higher level. Like I'd actually accomplished something. We had made one sale, one, two sales at that point. And so, um, it was kind of one of these full circle moments of, you know, I was, I was watching on stage and I was like, I am going to be on that stage one day. Um, and that's going to be really cool to finally actually, you know, being there and, uh, getting a really great response that I did. And I still get people, you know, coming up to me and telling me that, uh, their conversions have increased from, from that specific training that their conversions have doubled or even better. Um, which is great because, uh, you know, that's, that's something where you see the impact of it, even, you know, a year later, you know, seeing people at events and they come up and, and tell me. So that has been a, a really cool experience. Certainly would be. Um, and I suppose there's probably people in the audience where the husband or wife's push them, hey, go meet Chelsea. They're like, no, I can't meet Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it, it has come full circle, believe yeah. me. Uh, but I really do uh, like the fact that, you know, as the first event that you went to when you had just joined and you just started, uh, even though you're moving very rapidly, that you were like, you know, that looks fun. That looks interesting. And then yeah. you've had the chance to see that come to life. And now here a year later, uh, maybe a little more than a year, you've been able to see the results of that, which is, uh, I'm yeah. sure, quite satisfying. Yeah? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned two days. So that was one. Did you have another one in mind? Yeah. The other one's uh, short and sweet. We had last year, um, mysteriously, we had a really big sales day. I think it was like December, mid-December. Um, and we couldn't figure out, but the sales just kind of went went crazy. And um, like, you know, like three times, three, four times what we were used to or, or better. And we couldn't figure it out and we checked, we made sure that we, we didn't have any coupons where people were actually, you know, getting a real big discount on our, our product. And, you know, Ari was freaking out and I was like, okay, you know, we've checked everything. I'm like, it's just something good had to happen. Like we, you know, we had had a couple of different uh, things that we had, had dealt with earlier, you know, and the third quarter wasn't as good as we wanted it to be. I'm like, just like embrace it. It's, it's good. Um, so there was that mystery, uh, you know, sales day. And then, um, our assistant was talking on the phone to um, one of our customers. She said, oh, yeah, you know, I saw uh, spiralizers on the Today Show. Oh, we sell spiralizers. Everybody knows we sell spiralizers. And so I was like, okay, that's great. I was like, wait a minute. Our competitors did not get the same spike in sales. So they didn't talk about spiralizers. They talked about our spiralizers. Um, and so we have this little clip and, you know, we're able to, but, but it was just really cool. They just found us, you know, they just happened to, to find us. Um, we got reviewed by a, a big, you know, reviews website, and then they pulled all of their Christmas, um, promotions from that reviews website. And so they featured us during the Christmas holiday. And that, so that was really cool was just to be, um, kind of recognized as, you know, more one of the, uh, the mainstream, uh, versions of, you know, just from a, you know, a, an Amazon based business, you know, and I think that's, what's really cool is that you've got these Amazon based brands that are now becoming, uh, more recognizable. It just shows you that you don't have to start with, you know, a huge budget. You don't have to be Coca-Cola, uh, to really build, um, a solid business. No doubt. Well, what a, uh, what a great brand story to, to know that the work, you know, got you on whatever that review site was. And then, mm -hmm. you know, the Today Show, you know, national broadcast was able to pick up that that review. And, you know, they did all the due diligence, right? They went to the review site or whatever the due diligence is done. And they featured you without, you know, it was very organic. It was real. And yeah. that is, uh, you know, such a great thing. And that is actually a testament to your ability to build a brand. And I sometimes I rant about this idea that, you know, 
I don't like the name private label because it, it implies that we just went to the, the big trade show in the sky and we found some generic thing and we stuck our label on it and now we're now we have a brand. But that's that's not really what it is, as you well know. You guys have differentiated, you've iterated, you've you've made your product your own and special, and that has to be shown through the the brand marketing. But the testament or the, the proof of concept is the fact that today's show said yes. This is the one you should look at, and it sounds like it was a uh, a, a nice surprise. That's one of those lightning bolts that are nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that that is a very fascinating one. Uh, well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you to share your favorite uh, tool, maybe that helps you business day to day, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the future. Uh, we're going to do that right after this. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals, congratulations on your success to date. Your creativity, strategic vision, problem solving, and discipline have allowed you to build your own e-commerce business. Wouldn't it be great if you had more time to focus on the things that truly drive the sales and growth of your company? Instead of getting lost in a dozen different services and countless spreadsheets, what if there was one system that connected to your Amazon account and automatically gave you the information that you needed to make great decisions and really impact your business? Parsimony ERP can do that. Parsimony is the business operating system for your marketplace business. With Parsimony, you get true double entry bookkeeping, easy financial statements, full customer service tools, and item by item profitability, along with project and task management, and more features are being added all the time. Learn more at parsimony.com. That's parsimony, P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y.com. Parsimony.com. We've got that. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, we're back, everybody. Steve Simonson, awesomers.com podcast. And I'm here today with Chelsea Cohen, and we've talked about all kinds of fun things and quite a lot of good takeaways so far. Uh, but one of the things I like to get, especially from somebody who's so uh, tuned into the, the environment and the online space as you are e-commerce in general, uh, do you have a tool or a resource, something that you use day to day that you think has really improved the quality of your, your life or your business efficiency, what have you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we have been focusing on our business in um, building our team and really trying to get our systems in better because um, the, the better our systems are in, the more smoothly our business runs and the less we, work we have to do in it. So that's been kind of our goal is, um, you know, identifying uh, good performers and building that out. And then in terms of running it, there's um, a few tools that, we, that we're using. Um, we use Asana. And we use, uh, uh, there are a couple of tools that I find a lot of people haven't heard of um, that I get really excited about in kind of a nerdy way. Um, one of them is called Airtable. Uh, I use the, the free version. And essentially Airtable is like um, a spreadsheet on crack. It's, Ooh, uh, I enjoy crack and I enjoy spreadsheets. It sounds <laughs> really good. Carry on. So it basically... Um, you can you can put uh, Im you can uh, images in there. You can put formulas, but you can also um, sort it. You can you can group the things based on the various different columns. So you there are so many different kind of functionalities um, to it. You can um, you can pull uh, things from one one tab to the other. So if you've got all of your data on um, your cost of goods and and shipping, you could pull it from that. One, one uh, tab of the spreadsheet and move it into the other. And so it only have to update in one area. Um, but there's just a lot of different ways that, that we're using it. Um, you can create a form and send the form to someone and then all the data imports into um, the spreadsheet. Uh, so we use that for managing um, our, uh, our teams on a daily basis for our copywriting, for our listing optimization. Um, so that's been very helpful. Uh, we also use it to to track various different um, things like uh, uh, cost of goods and inventory and and stuff like that. And then um, so that's Airtable. And then the other one is called Process Street, Process.st, and that's um, it's basically an SOP software. We've been looking for uh, ways to run our programs and run our systems. Uh, you know, kind of. Um, one of the things that we're used to, we call them routing forms. Essentially, it's a list uh, of a step-by-step -step checklist of things that have to be done, but it doesn't. But it goes from one person to the next, um, and we hadn't been able to really find that um, on 
in a software form. So now it's something that's in a software form. You can also build in the training. So if, you know, step one says this, you can build in, you know, here's a video, here's the screenshots of it. Here's um, uh, a subtask list to get that one done. And then that person gets all his tasks done. And the minute that he finishes his tasks, the next person on the list is then emailed uh, that his turn is up to, to complete the task. So you know, building out for launching products that helps a lot because you've got a lot of people in there, photographers and copywriters and, um, you know, list builders. And so it really kind of organizes all of that into one place. Yeah. I like that. Both uh, a couple of gems there. Now is it airtable.com so we can get that in the show notes later? Yeah. Yeah. I believe it's airtable.com. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll uh, double check that and assume that's the, the case, but we'll, we'll pop all of these things in, including, uh, contacts to uh, Chelsea's company uh, in the show notes so everybody can find these and 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 get a, a quick access. A lot of good stuff in there, uh, but I want to I want to have you get out uh, your crystal ball here for a minute. Okay. And you know we're we're dealing with you know kind of a dynamic environment, uh, e-commerce in general, but Amazon specifically. Uh, what, what's your what's your vision of the future? How how's Amazon going to change in the next five years or e-commerce, whichever you prefer to to speak on. Um, I mean, one of the things that I've seen um, in terms of Amazon that uh, I've been paying attention to, we're also in the grocery category. And the things that Amazon has been doing um, recently have made it um, apparent that they are really looking to take over that space. So I think it's a great place to uh, get into. Some of the things are buying up Whole Foods. Um, they have their own curated gourmet website called Wickedly Prime. Um, they sent out mailers. I got like a little tea bag, you know, in promotion for this. And they have, you know, Amazon Fresh um, in some cities. And then the other thing is that they, uh, for anyone who has products uh, $15 or less, they've actually cut their commission in half. So they're really, really trying to entice people to sell in the lower price gourmet um, category for Amazon. Uh, so I think that we're going to see more and more rolling out um, them really starting to put, um, to get their hands on the grocery category. There's a lot of money to be made and they're trying to kind of scoop it up. Um, so, there, so there's that. And um, I also think that Amazon's going to try to take a lot of these softwares that are coming out, they're trying to make their own versions. I don't think they're going to do very well. Um, none of the stuff that they have produced has, in terms of the softwares to support Amazon sellers, has really um, done all that well, and no one seems to be adopting them. Uh, but I think, you know, kind of, I went to the Boost event, and some of the things that I was hearing, it just sounds like more and more they're trying to make things better for sellers. Um, hopefully, you know. Hopefully they will improve, but I think that's something that, that we will be seeing is more and more them trying to take, uh, to take back the uh, automations from the SaaS builders. Yeah, so in some ways, it's like the SaaS builders wouldn't have had to build it if Amazon had it and it was working, right? So yeah. it was built out of necessity. Uh, do you have an example of one that they have available or, or is eminently available that you think is probably not as good as the other markets out there or the other service providers? I mean, they've always had inventory, you know, alerts, inventory management. Um, but, you know, as you know, we as sellers usually have inventory offsite. So anything not, you know, having to do with Amazon, it's not going to service us to, you know, to the degree that it actually needs to. They're never going to interface with, you know, uh, these other platforms, you know. Yeah. So, so that in itself is, is not going to work. I am interested in, they've got a couple of things. Um, they've got this new thing called, uh, called voice of a customer, but it's, and it's supposed to give you more insights on why people might be returning your products. But, um, I don't think it gives you enough, enough data. It's not complete. So, but there are these things that they're, 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 uh, they're putting out there, you know, um, suppliers, they're giving you access to your suppliers being able to print their own labels, which I think is one of the more um, interesting and helpful uh, in terms of um, the things that they're rolling out. So that's something that we're, we're starting to beta test so that you don't have to print the labels, uh, your supplier can print labels for himself straight through the Amazon interface. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, the, the supplier would have their own login or whatever. Yeah. But it also makes me nervous because 
Amazon basics comes out and then they have all your supplier data. So that's just something to think about when you go to, you know, adopting something like that. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. My own opinion of that, because I've had these kind of conversations with sellers for a long time where, you know, when you're shipping in, you know, directly from your supplier into FBA, they know your supplier data because it's on the you know bill of lading. It's on the shipping documentation. Yeah. Um, I don't think that Amazon is well enough coordinated today to uh-huh. actually put that information into uh, effect. And also, they have quite uh, sophisticated resources when it comes to sourcing. I know guys who are running around and, and they're sourcing you know fifty to hundred products at a time for some of Amazon's private label brands. They can do it, you know. Um, in a very significant way to make the Amazon basics or, or you know, whatever the, the brand happens to be. So there is, so your point about that, of course, is, you know, there's some threat coming from Amazon's own brands, yet there's some opportunity as a result of Amazon picking up things like Whole Foods, yeah. which I think is, is probably how always the truth is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some, some threat to the left, but there's some opportunity to the right or, or you know, however you like to view it. Yeah. Um, I definitely, so... For those out there in the grocery category, there's a new um, platform that helps connect you to buyers and take out some of the distribution and some of the other layers and actually get you access to to big uh, wholesale accounts that are in the grocery uh, category. And I I don't have it off the top of my head, but if anybody's interested in that, they can just go to awesomers.com slash contact and we can try to connect them because this is a way to make a pitch or make a presentation to big boxes or some of the, the larger wholesale uh, entities if you're in that space of consumables and food and things that would typically be found in a grocery store, for example. They don't have to be uh, perishables per se, just something in a grocery store. And that could really help open up additional channels. Um, I, I'm curious. So I agree and salute you for having your own uh, warehouse and, and having to keep track of that. What led you to that conclusion that you should also have you know, your own third-party logistics or your own warehouse under your control. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we don't own our own warehouse. We, uh, a friend of ours has a warehouse that we, that we use, but um, it was really Amazon's fees going up, you know, their, their fees and uh, wanting to, you know, especially, you know, by the time, you know, fourth quarter comes around, you need to have your inventory and the fees go up. So keeping the storage costs down and then um, having a cushion so that, you know, can kind of minimize uh, running out of inventory. Those were really uh, the main reasons to, to get a third-party warehouse. And, you know, we ship things into Amazon on a, you know, a monthly basis and uh, keep excess inventory off-site. Yeah, I think that's really smart. You know, I've, I've been railing on this for the last couple of years because I think that uh, Amazon sellers are – the, the easy button is just so simple to, to just like, I'll just send it all into Amazon and then they have it. And then if I have a big sales day, it sells and everybody's happy. Yeah. Um, and all that's true to an extent, but it comes at a cost the, and, and the costs are increasing, extraordinarily increasing uh, over time. And so, you know, not just the, the day-to-day handling and storage and inbound uh, costs and so forth, but those long-term storage fees, if something is not moving as fast as you want it to, can really... Uh, they can really destroy your margins. And so having a just-in-time inventory, the JIT philosophy, is something, again, that you know I've used, of course, for you know a couple decades. But it, it's something that even the smaller Amazon players should really think about using a third-party warehouse mm-hmm. uh, to, to stage their inventory. We call it a staging warehouse. Yeah. Some of them are just storage, like the big bulk storage, and then some are staging where you ship in weekly or biweekly or monthly, as you mentioned. All of these are really good strategies for optimizing uh, revenue and efficiency and profit. You know, for every dollar you save in long-term storage, that goes right to the bottom line. You don't have to make one more dollar in sales. That's pure profit. And it sounds like you guys understand that very well. Yeah. 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 I mean, we sell products that are, you know, between 15 and $20, you know, some even lower. So we have to pay attention to all of that because any little thing, you know, uh, you got an, uh, you know, sponsored app that's not performing, you know, well, and, and, uh, you know, that starts cutting into your profit. And that's something we've been cutting down in sponsored ads is, you know, anything that's not, you know, profitable, you got to get rid of it. Yeah, I think having a strategy on how you want to deploy your ad and marketing resources is very important. I'm curious, uh, for you guys, do you manage your sponsored products yourselves? Or do you have somebody else do it? How do you uh, take on that challenge? 
Um, yeah, I manage them ourselves. We've outsourced before and the agency that we use just spent a bunch of our money. So, um, you know, they kept saying, oh, but look at the ad spend is going up. And I'm like, that doesn't excite <laughs> me, <laughs> you know? Their markers were very different than our markers. Mine was profitability. So we have outsourced it. Um, I've taken it back in-house and just kind of cut a lot um, off. I'm starting to, to look at, you know, um, using, you know, so some software. I've tried some that haven't really worked out, so I'm trying a new one. Um, I'm not necessarily going to name it here because I haven't really tested it out, but um, just if you can find a software that will really analyze those um, search terms reports, that's really what I am working on getting in now because it takes forever and then you don't do it as often as you should. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of that... Um... The double-edged sword. Yes, you have control, but yes, you're responsible. And so by leveraging the technology, uh, I think it's a good strategy. And we're going to have a, a guest on here uh, in the, the coming days that will talk about his solution, how he developed it. Once again, it was the entrepreneur who had the problem that needed solved for him. And then he's been able to deploy this as a resource that everybody else could use. But it's, it is a delicate balance. And I, I will just tell you, I'm going to I'm going to predict some of your future, if you don't mind, uh, Chelsea. So just uh, relax. Uh, so all of us have gone through this process where we've outsourced it and the agency didn't deliver what we wanted. And sometimes it was on them and sometimes it was on us and sometimes both. Uh, but in general, if you're really going to do it at scale, you, you, you want to find experts and you want to find somebody. So even if you bring that person in-house for you, and by the way, there are very easy ways to hire somebody who's uh, you know, a sponsored products person that could be on your team and they can keep weekly track of it or you, know, you can hire them on a part-time basis. Maybe they work for you five, 10 hours a week. Mm -hmm. So these resources exist to bring them on your team or to, to um, use an outsourced person. But for most people, when you scale, you're gonna really have to have that specialization because you as the you know, expert and the top dog, you're just not gonna have enough time to filter through that stuff forever. So there yeah. comes some point where you're like, you know what, here's the system. It's, it's good enough. We'll meet on it weekly so you can show me your key metrics. Mm -hmm. And in this case, key performance indicators, KPIs as people like to call them, include things like the ACOS ratio, right? Pretty obvious. What, what's, what's the ACOS that you personally find attractive? Is it 5%? Is it 20%? Depends on your margin, of course. And it depends on your strategy. Right. If your strategy is I'm all about growth, I want to capture market share, then you're willing to spend more, you know, as a percentage of ACOS. Yeah. But you should also, and I highly recommend people do this, if you don't know your individual profitability by item, including any ad spend, any marketing spend, that also includes, by the way, any giveaways, any promotions, any broken units or destroyed, damaged units, returns, etc. If you guys don't know that, and this is not directed specifically to Chelsea, but any awesome out there, if you don't know your line by line, product by product profitability, you're really just shooting in the dark. Yeah. And every decision you make is based on instinct. And as good as our instincts are, they're not perfect. They're certainly not infallible. Use data. And so my, my expectation is once you kind of get a, a sense of it and you feel like you got it under control, you'll probably find a way to get somebody else to manage that day to day and that you'll establish those KPIs as guardrails, and then you'll manage them on a kind of a, uh, you know, weekly or biweekly basis to make sure they're delivered on your numbers. What do you think? Eva? Yeah, possible? yeah, I definitely agree with that. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I think that you, you really said it in terms of knowing, you got to know what you want before you can outsource it, you know, and that's kind of what we're doing right now. We, you know, we're figuring out, you know, well, what do we need to see? What, you know, makes the most sense? And it's, the strategy does change, you know, um, from whether you've got a product that you're maintaining or you're launching a product. And so um, really getting those, you know, standard procedures kind of down and documented um, so that we can get this offloaded. We've got other things that we've started offloading, but this is one of those things that it's when, when it comes to the money stuff, you know, you really got to have that down. You can't just let it, you know, let it go to someone who, without keeping your eyes on it. Yeah, that's quite right. The The concept of delegation versus abdication is something we talk about mm -hmm. regularly. And that, you know, just saying, I don't like doing this, somebody take it over, that's a recipe for disaster. And by the way, agencies, uh, we've had agencies that did great jobs for us and we had agencies that were just like a mystery 
we don't know what they were doing. We, we just paid huge invoices to them and, uh-huh. and our economics, you know, got worse over time. So it can go either way, but fundamentally, even with an agency, it comes down to managing them versus abdicating to them, right? Delegating. Here's, here's what I expect. Here's your budget for spend. Here's what my ACOS ratio, here's what my contributing uh, margin should be for each item. All of those little details uh, that you guys probably know now uh, will be instructive for them in the future. And then every week or every two weeks, you make sure that they're reporting on those and make sure that the numbers hold up. Yeah. Because when it works, the sky's the limit, right? You don't mind spending as long as it's profitable spend. That's uh, yeah. We're all thrilled about that. Well, uh, this has been very uh, helpful to me and, and uh, it's been fun to catch up and, and learn a little bit more about your background. Uh, I wondered if you have any final words of wisdom for the Osmers out there. Um, let's see, final words of wisdom. Um, yeah, tenacity is really what it's going to take to, you know, to get to where you want to be, you know. Um, for me, living, you know, in regular life was not an option. So, you know, even if, even if whatever you're doing at the time is not working, um, you know, if I, I could have given up and just stuck to accounting the rest of my life, but, um, you know, it was trying, you know, multiple things, trying so many things. And my cousin actually told me, you know, that he had seen me do all of these things and fail at all of these things and then see me succeed. And it was very, um, you know, encouraging. Uh, and I was like, it's encouraging to me too, <laughs> to finally have found the thing. But that's really what it takes is just knowing that, you know, the, the end of your story is going to be a good one. And so you just keep moving forward and be aggressive. Um, you know, with, we've seen a lot of people, we've coached a lot of people and really the people who have made it have been the ones who, um, stuck to it and had a positive attitude and a positive outlook. And the people that, um, you know, really kind of didn't were the ones who were negative and who always were looking for excuses and, and people to blame. And so honestly, the best, the, the best advice that I could probably give would be that it's, it's all about your mindset and the way that you look at things. Even when something bad happens, um, my perspective is, you know, that it's going to pass, that it's, we're going to get out fine and it's going to be okay. And it's going to flip into our favor, you know, and a lot of times now just having that sentiment, it actually does. Yeah. That's uh, really sage wisdom. Very good advice. Uh, give me the, give me the elevator pitch on badass business builders. Um, okay. Badass business builders essentially started as, um, a website because we got a bunch of questions coming in about Amazon and then the Amazon business. And so we wanted to continue to help people, but we also needed to have a life and run our business. So we started, um, taking those main major questions and filming training videos, uh, to answer those questions. We threw them up on a website, uh, that, uh, that is a free website uh, where basically you can sign in and watch those videos. Um, and so that's how it started. And then, uh, beginning of the year, we started doing, uh, listing optimization, uh, reports and copywriting where essentially we find out what is, uh, what are the things in your listing that are making it so that your sales or, you know, your traffic or your conversion, um, is less than what it should be and, uh, help you to get it to a position where you're making more sales. I love it. Yeah. So if you uh, want to figure out how to uh, take your your business on Amazon, level up a bit, uh, definitely you're going to have to take a look at badassbusinessbuilders.com. Uh, and we'll have those links. Dot in- org. Oh, dot org. Oh, dot excuse me. Too expensive. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I, maybe it's dot gov. I don't know. But yes, badassbusinessbuilders.org. Yes. yes. Okay, good. So we'll make sure we get that in the show notes as well. So thank you again, Chelsea. It's been a great pleasure to have you on Awesomers today. Thank you so much. It's always fun to hang out with uh, Osmers and hear the origin story. And for those Osmers at home listening, we'll be right back after this. Catalyst 88 was developed to help entrepreneurs achieve their short and long-term goals in e-commerce markets by utilizing the power of shared entrepreneurial wisdom. Entrepreneurship is nothing if not lessons to be learned. Learn from others. Learn from us. I guarantee that we will learn from you. Visit Catalyst88.com because your success is our success. A giddy up. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Ah, yes. You know, one of the things that I really enjoy about Chelsea is the fact that she legitimately wants to help other people succeed. And that's fulfilling and satisfying for her. And I, I certainly understand that and identify with that and have great respect and admiration for it. It, it is, it's not corny. It's not 
something that people should go, oh, well, that's, that's not really the case. It's a true, authentic, and genuine thing that is emanating from Chelsea and uh, her husband Ari as well. They are great people and great entrepreneurs. And it's a great honor to be able to have somebody who's so focused on not just achieving and, and building her own business, but also helping others around them. And as you guys know, I love it when entrepreneurs help each other because we can get better, faster, and smarter together. And that's really part of the point of this podcast. Now, this has been episode number 63 of the Osmers.com podcast series. And I hope you've enjoyed it. I certainly have. And I am always just, you know, really honored and thrilled when you guys join us for this journey. And I hope that we'll see you on the next episode as well. Well, we've done it again, everybody. We have another episode of the Awesomers podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guest, team, and all the other Awesomers involved at awesomers.com. Thank you again.